So again, it's the last night of Jesus's life on earth before he dies on the cross. He's reclining at table in the upper room with a group of his closest disciples, and he's actually reclining uh, among the 12. There are others clearly in the room, others of his disciples, likely a co-ed group, folks like Mary Martha, perhaps there, Mary Magdalene. Uh, but but he's, he's sharing the bread in the inner circle and, and the meal in the inner circle with the 12, his apostles. Remember, as we, we've been saying, the Passover is a great celebration for Israel. It's the celebration commemorating God's deliverance of the people of Israel out of slavery and out of virtual death in Egypt into a new life, moving towards the promises and the promised land. It's an affirmation that Israel, the people of Israel, are God's chosen people and and now indeed are called to be holy people under God's choosing. If you go back and look at Exodus chapter 6, there's some words from God that, that, that mark out four promises that are key to understanding the Passover God's saving work, and actually what happens in the order of the Passover, the Passover Seder. Picking up um, at verse 6 of Exodus 6, Say therefore to the people of Israel, I am the Lord, I am Yahweh. And I'm going to do four things now, listen to this. And I will bring you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians, number one, Number two, I will deliver you from slavery to them. That's number two. Number three, I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with great acts of judgment. And then verse seven, number four, fourth of these key promises, I will take you to be my people and I will be your God. And you shall know that I am the Lord your God who has brought you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. So with all those promises and with all this great liberation and this restoration of the election of the people of Israel, this salvation, this redemption, this ought to be a great celebration because here we have Jesus, the actual Messiah, the the one to whom all the Old Testament, all the Hebrew scriptures, all the covenants of God with the people of Israel point And here he is, the Messiah, in Jerusalem, celebrating this greatest celebratory pilgrimage feast of the Jews, Passover in Jerusalem, in the upper room. But as it turns out, as we remember and as we definitely have been refocusing uh, in these last few Sundays as we've looked at Mark chapter 14, We're dealing with the valley of the shadow of death as Jesus moves toward and then celebrates Passover. Uh, Mark chapter 14 opens with the news that the authorities now are actively conspiring to figure out when they can kill Jesus, have Jesus put to death. 
And then it turns out one of Jesus' own disciples, Judas, one of the 12 who's been with Jesus, traveling with Jesus, learning from Jesus, has even done, you know, preaching and miracles uh, as an apostolic, uh, as a person sent by Christ. He's going to betray Jesus. And then at the meal, as they gather to celebrate this great Passover festival, feast, the beginning of the, leading into the the Feast of the Unleavened Bread, Jesus, pretty early in the meal, says these ominous words, truly I say to you, one of you is going to betray me, one who is eating with me. If he showed up at a great birthday or anniversary celebration and somebody said that that is kind of the meal starts being passed around, it might get your attention, right? Well, it certainly got the, the disciples' attention. As we saw, they're all, actually, they all have their own doubts and frustrations about the way the week has been going, and they're all saying to Jesus, is it I? Is it I? We saw that Jesus knows, of course, who it is. It's going to be Judas, says the one dipping um, now with me and actually on the other side of the last supper we'll see this as we move on right after they they sing a hymn and they're, they're they've departed from the upper room and they're moving to the mount of olives jesus goes on to tell all of the 12 it's not just about judas and his supremely bad act of betraying jesus but jesus says all of you are going to fall away from me on account of me. You're all going to fail me. So this last supper, this Lord's Supper, is framed with a lot of darkness and a lot of shadows about the disciples' sin and failings and, frankly, yours and mine as well. So here Jesus is in the midst of the supper, with these hard truths all around. And surely, as we've been studying on Wednesday night, Psalm 23, the words, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies, certainly have to be ringing true to Jesus right now. So... The Passover and the Seder or the order, they're four cups and four points in, in, the, in the order that relate to these verses that I read to you from Exodus chapter 6. Um, there's the, the first cup, the cup of freedom and sanctification unto God. Um, you have the first cup as you prepare to head into the meal. The, the second cup, the cup of salvation, of deliverance from slavery, this is the one in connection with, with, with which you take the bread, one of the, the cakes of the unleavened bread, and break it and distribute it to everybody as the meal in earnest begins. This is probably when Jesus as we focused on last week in 
14.22, Mark 14.22, takes the bread and mediates the blessing to all his folks. But, but, but now he says, this is my body. The third cup is the cup of redemption. I will redeem you. That cup follows the main meal. As Matthew and Luke tell us, Jesus again took the cup after the supper. Uh, Paul refers to this also in 1 Corinthians. So, so now, to, today, we've moved on from the bread and we're focusing on this moment. Jesus likely taking the cup of redemption, in other words, and he's our redeemer. He's, he's about to lay down his life to buy you back from sin and death. Um, Jesus says, this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many. The king's cup, communion for many. See, what's going on here is Jesus is not simply presiding over the Passover. He is the Passover. Jesus is not simply talking before and after the lamb is eaten and obviously following the point at which the blood previously that day by John and Mark had been spread on the doorpost and the lintel. Jesus is the lamb. But he's inviting them and he's inviting you and me into a Passover unto the very kingdom of God. Because the fourth cup in the regular Passover Seder is a restoration of Israel as God's chosen people. Jesus is, is not simply inviting us to be elect unto God for a moment. He's inviting you He's offering to you and me the kingdom of God that will have no end, that is forever. In the Old Testament, blood offerings, animal sacrifices, were made to God as a gift for sin offering, yes, but also to consecrate covenant. So, for instance, again, back in Exodus, if you go to Exodus chapter 24, you'll read about that point at which Moses, with the spreading of the blood and the sprinkling or the throwing of the blood on the Israelites, says the covenant between you and God is now consecrated. In other words, you don't just get the Ten Commandments and you don't just get law. There has to be a covering, an atonement, and a uniting with God. It's one thing to say, yeah, I guess I believe Jesus is the Son of God, and I can read this and kind of affirm that. It's quite a different thing to be united with him and to be saved under his saving death and his blood, which represents his very life. You read the Old Testament, the blood represents the life. So Moses, Exodus 24 
verse 8. And Moses took the blood and threw it on the people and said, Behold, the blood of the covenant that the Lord has made with you in accordance with these words, not just the stone tablets, do you hear me? The life and the blood shed, acknowledging the fullness, the gravity of our need for salvation and redemption and union with God. So Jesus took a cup, and when he had given thanks, given thanks, by the way, Eucharistia, this is um, Greek that leads to kind of one of the more fancy terms for the Lord's Supper or communion called Eucharist. So he gives thanks, and he gave it to them, and they all drank of it. And Jesus said, this is my blood, okay? Not the blood of a lamb or a bull. This is my blood now. To save you, I'm going to give you my life. I'm going to shed my blood so that you can be one with me forever and one with each other as the body, the many who share the king's cup. This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many. So one thing that's been striking me, and if you've been with me on Wednesday nights, you know we've been reflecting on this a little bit, is how Psalm 23, that classic psalm, Psalm of David, you think at one level of, of course, the ultimate son and descendant of David is Jesus. These are promises that are at one level for Jesus. But amazingly enough, by the grace of God, he flips everything around. And he gives you and me the 23rd Psalm. And so that you and I can say, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil because you are with me. You, Jesus, the good shepherd, the great shepherd who lays down his life for the sheep, John 10, you, my shepherd, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. My cup is your cup, and it overflows with grace by your blood. And so surely, goodness and steadfast love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord, in the kingdom of God forever. His cup, our cup, the king's cup. How awesome does the gospel rise to invite you and me to the table? <laughs> Do you hear what I'm saying? The king of the universe, the son of God, offers you his cup, offers us his cup in his own blood that you might be sealed, sanctified, and joined with him forever.
The shepherd lays down his life. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Um, The good news is this, already, as you and I come, if we will receive what he is giving to us, we can already approach home right now. I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I can already begin to see the door opened now, and already by the Spirit, by union with Christ, I'm there. I'm there. If you look at Hebrews in the New Testament, the book of Hebrews, chapters 9 and 10, Hebrews is talking all about the blood sacrifice. If you want a good exposition of the blood sacrifice and the new covenant that Jeremiah prophesies, read Hebrews, and particularly moving through Hebrews chapters 9 and 10, talking all about Moses and the Israelites and the new covenant. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 19 Therefore, brothers, this is talking to Christians now. This means you and me now. Therefore, brothers, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way opened for us through the curtain, that's the veil that separates the holy of holies, the very presence of God from the people. It's opened up by the blood of Jesus now. That is, through his flesh, And since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us hear this invitation now. As you prepare to receive the supper, I want you to hear this. Let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith with our hearts sprinkled clean. That means our hearts are sprinkled clean by his blood, okay? With our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who has promised is faithful. Do you hear what I'm saying? The sign and the seal is real and forever for him, and he has assured you of that. by sealing his kingdom cup with his own blood. Trust him totally. He's totally given himself for you, for us. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, because he who has promised is faithful. And then, following the sharing of the cup, the blood of the covenant given, already promised, Jesus says, Truly I say to you, I will not drink again of the fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it new in the kingdom, in the kingdom of God. So, The cup of the restoration of our election unto God and our forever fellowship with him, Jesus says, I can't wait to take the cup with you 
but I'm going to take that cup with you in the kingdom forever. So, as we said last Sunday, this supper we share, this central, I mean, you want to get close to Jesus, this is the beating heart of Jesus offered unto you. It's a sign and a seal of that. I mean, this is central to our faith to come and share the bread and the cup. It is central to Christian faith. From the earliest days, this is central to the worship of us as Christians. Come close to Jesus. Approach him in the fullness of his grace. Truly, he's offering you, receive, receive. But as, as we do, like we said last Sunday, this supper is not a sacrifice. It wasn't even a sacrifice when Jesus established it on the Passover. It looked to and pointed to and was founded on the sacrifice that he was going to make, the once-for-all sacrifice he would make the next day on the cross. But it is not a sacrifice. It's based on the sacrifice, on the perfect work of Jesus, but that work is completed for your salvation. And already the night before, and certainly as he established it with these words that look ahead to the kingdom it's a celebration too okay this is a covenant meal it's not a sacrifice this is the lord's table this is not an altar let me repeat that this is not an altar this is the lord's table the table of the king for the king's people so celebrate celebrate in the sure hope of his perfect work, his atoning work being totally completed for you. So Jesus invites us and says, I will not take this cup again until I take it with you. Can you hear that? With us. In the kingdom. Everything new. So already we have a foretaste of what is to come as we come to this table today. So, like we've been saying, classic reform faith, classic biblical faith, we know through Jesus and his perfect work, we have been saved from the penalty of sin. That's already done because of what he did the next day. We have been saved from the penalty of sin. We are right now, if you're living in Jesus, by his Holy Spirit, you are right now being saved from the power of sin. Okay, not just justification, but also sanctification. You're being made new in Christ. So you're not just, it's not just, well, you know, he, he took away my sin, so I guess that's the end of the story. No, no, no. You are being saved now. You're living in the Lord from the power of sin, and then drink it new in the kingdom we will be saved from the very presence of sin and evil. In the kingdom, there will be no more, only Christ and his glory. So when you take today, trust in what he has done for you, grow in what he is doing in you, and look ahead. There'll be no more sin, no more crying, no more pain, for the old order of things 
will be long gone. In reverent remembrance, yes. In remembrance, back to the future, yes, too. Celebrate with your king today. His cup is for the many. We are one with him. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, now and forever. Amen.